Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. <coughs> Greetings. God bless everyone. God bless you for joining us. Those of you who are here with us, our Truth Zone our Community Bible Study, those of you who are on site, and for those who are uh, joining us by phone conference call, we thank you so much for joining us. I always like to say thank you um, for taking the time and being with us, joining us um, in this endeavor to share God's word, share God's principles uh, with his people. Uh, you don't have to invest your time here. You could have done it somewhere else. But we just want to say we, we very much thank you for uh, being with us and allowing us to share something from God's word to you tonight. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, for your grace, for your provision, for your protection. Thank you for being our God. Besides you, there is no other. So we bless you, worship you, we exalt and magnify you. Father God, thank you for bringing us through this day and to this very moment. Thank you for bringing us from danger seen and unseen. We bless your name for it. Now, Lord God, as we come and go into your word, we pray, as we always do, that you will open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, our minds to comprehend, and our hearts to receive what it is that you're saying to us, your church, by the Spirit. All these things. We will bless you and give your name all the praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again uh, for joining us uh, for our Bible class. It is such a, a privilege and honor to share God's word with his people. Uh, the people of God are the greatest people on the face of the earth. And it is such an honor and privilege to come before you and to share something from God's word. Um, I count it, again, as an honor. Um, come before you. It's a privilege to share God's holy word, but it's his word that gives us life. Jesus said, I am John 16, he said, the words that I speak, they are spirit, and they are life. As long as we were saying what Jesus said, as long as we were rightly dividing the word of truth, 
And I believe that when we speak, we are speaking words that will give spirit and life. So uh, it is such an honor and privilege. And yet it is also a necessity to share God's word. Bible declares we're living in a, fa- uh, a land of famine, and the famine is for the hearing of the word of God. How can it be a famine when it seems that the word of God is so prevalent? There are so many ministries in various cities. We have radio programs with the word being taught, preached. We have uh, various satellite TV stations. The word of God is constantly preached. So why is it a famine? A famine is a hearing of God's word. Somehow, this generation's uh, attention and their desire is not for the word of God. That's why the word said it's a famine for the a famine for the hearing of God's word. But I thank God for those of us who have an ear to hear and a heart to receive what it is God is saying, because I believe that He is giving us direction for our life, in this life. Amen. So we will uh, uh, go right on into our, our session for tonight. Before I do, though, I want to make an announcement, two announcements. First announcement is starting tomorrow night uh, in Marion, South Carolina, the Door of Hope Christian Church, um, their, our, rather, leadership conference, annual leadership conference that, that churches are passed about Bishop Michael, and uh, Pastor Melinda Blue. Uh, but the leadership conference will be tomorrow through Saturday. Tomorrow through Saturday. Uh, is, everyone is invited. Absolutely everyone is invited. It's, a, it's free. You are encouraged to uh, register. But it's free to the public. Just come. If you can register, fine. If you can't, fine. The saints will love on you. They'll greet you, teach you, and you will enjoy the Lord. Uh, it will be a time of prayer, worship, and and intense preaching and teaching of God's word. Uh, tomorrow night, Dr. Frank Reed III will be the, uh, the guest speaker, powerful man of God, doing a great work, I think, in the Baltimore area, Baltimore, Maryland area. And Thursday night, of course, Bishop Michael Blue will be the speaker. And, and of course, he is such a dynamic uh, man of God. Uh, and Friday will be Bishop Phil Bismarck, a great man of God from the continent of Africa. Um, will be with us. There are also other various seminars, pastors, Thursday morning session, I believe a Friday morning session, uh, of various uh, seminars will be going on. And on Saturday morning, early afternoon, there will be various sessions going on. So you don't want to miss it. Uh, tomorrow through Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, uh, at the Dorfolk Christian Church, 401 Martin King Boulevard, Marion, South Carolina. You don't want to miss that. The other announcement is to share with you that on October 11th, uh, myself, my wife, we will be officially, we've, of course, uh, been doing this particular work through Zone, but it has evolved into uh, what we know as a local church, local ministry. So we will have an official commitment, pastoral commitment service October 11th, Florence, in Florence, South Carolina, at the Wilson High School's auditorium, the Ally Brooks Auditorium in Florence. Um, so those of you who have been uh, reasonable, Driving distance, please join us uh, next Sunday evening, October 11th, at 5 o'clock, for a time of praise and worship and uh, to uh, commemorate, congratulate, pray with us uh, as we embark afresh and anew on this particular assignment uh, that God has for us. 
All right, so that's the announcement, and I'll say something about it at the end of this session. All right, so let's go. We're talking about tonight, um, it's the message of Pre-Jackson Sunday, but I kind of want to get back into it and share some things. What kind church is this? What we're talking about tonight. What kind of church is this? That uh, particular message uh, and that question can be very, very provocative. And you can get uh, sundry of answers. What kind of church is this? I, I'm reminded of the songs in the old church. It was one of those Hebrew uh, songs. Uh, and part of the song is uh, the leader would ask what kind of church is this. This is a sanctified church. And then we get the hand clapping, foot thumping, tongue talking, uh, Holy Ghost sanctified church. All right. But I want to deal with it. Not saying that nothing's wrong with being a hand clapping or foot stomping church. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a hand clapping or foot stomping church. Uh, but I want to look at the Bible. I want to look at what is the church's role and our responsibility. I believe that we need to take a closer look at that and uh, because uh, you do get a lot of answers as to what is the church. Um, and so what we want to do today is look at some scriptures and find out what is our responsibility here uh, in this earth as the church. Now, last week, uh, America and the world pretty much stopped because the Pope was here, the head of the Roman Catholic Church, uh, vicar, uh, Holy Father, as he is called. Uh, he was here uh, greeting people, having various meetings with our some of our government officials, the President, Congress, Speaker of the House, various others. And there was such excitement. Uh, about that. Not only was there excitement, of course, some people had some negative things to say. But one of the things I took from that whole experience, um, and I wasn't just glued, of course, to the TV. I did watch some things on the news and, and all of that. Uh, but let me clarify, I'm not Catholic. I'm not Roman Catholic. Um, so don't be too upset. I'm not Roman Catholic. However, I, I do believe that, there, that uh, it, it shows how the world is still interested in what the church has to say. Because to the world, to our media, uh, the Roman Catholic Church, to them, is part of the church. They are the church. <clears throat> and so uh, it is interesting to see that regardless of how we seem to be mocked in this time, the world still take notice when the church speak out on certain things. And, and of course, the Pope is supposedly the, the leader. He's the, He represents uh, the church, the Roman Catholic Church, and so they listened to what he had to say. Uh, he was a man that 70 million, over 70 million people in the United States belong to the Roman Catholic Church, and so he speaks for all of them. That is tremendous influence, to say the least, about him. All right, but I'm not necessarily talking about the Pope. Maybe we'll do a lesson on the Roman, Roman Catholicism and uh, some of the issues uh, that I have with, with them. And, and of course, uh, some of their practices are not biblical, all right? Uh, I'm going to say that. But again, I just want to talk about uh, the visible church. All right. Now, when we say church, church, you can get so many definitions about the church from different people. All right. 
But I always like to say there's more to church than what we have experienced. Just because our experience uh, has not been a positive experience for some, uh, I always like to say it really wasn't the church Lord Jesus Christ that was just some negative people. But somehow I do understand the negative connotation and negative views people have of the church. And I do believe that when people experience negativity in and through the church, it is because they or the people they have dealt with don't have a proper biblical perspective of the church. I hold to that. I really hold to that. Um, and so we're going to talk about the church a little bit tonight, um, who the church is and some of our roles and responsibilities. Now, simply put, the word church means ecclesia in the Greek, and it means called out, selected, elected ones. And it has really the connotation of selected officials for a governmental office. So the word church really is a governmental term when you really go back and do the etymology or study. It's, it's, a, it's a, uh, a governmental term, like our word senate. It came from the Greek culture, uh, the elected official for a governmental purpose. That's what the church is designed for. Even that definition tells us of our what our roles and responsibilities should be. So the church, number one, is not just a place you go. The church is not just a bunch of activities at a particular place. But the church, rather, is a people. It is a called-out people. It is uh, people that were elected, called of God for a specific purpose, and that purpose has to do with government, or if you remember this word, our kingdom, um, kingdom people, dominion. So it takes us right back to Genesis. You know, our purpose is 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 is, is dominion. With that definition alone, at least in my mind, it calls for a greater responsibility of me if I say I am a part of the church. Okay, so that means I just can't stay inactive all week long and then just come to a place and do a few religious activities and say, okay, well, my church will do stuff. No, it, it really means that there's a lot of responsibility we have in and of the church. So the church is, is a people. It's not just a place. It is a people. But even with us saying the church is a people, what good is a mob of people if we don't understand our purpose? What good is a bunch of people if we don't understand our role and we don't understand our responsibilities? We must understand our purpose. If we don't understand our purpose, we're wasting oxygen, wasting God's good oxygen if we're not moving in our purpose. Okay, notice what Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 16. After he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And he said, but whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon, I brought you on a special blood, has not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And upon this rock, upon this revelation, uh, with the people who know who I am, that's how, and it's through them that I will build a church. So the church is about people who know who Jesus really is. That's how Jesus builds his church. And so while the church is being built, and the church is built on who Jesus is, then Jesus has to be the center. He is the foundation, and he is the life of the church. We really can't say 
that we are a part of the church and we never have a discussion about Jesus. We never promote Jesus. We never exalt Jesus. Uh, we really have to continue and strive harder to make Jesus the center of everything we do and say. And we're going to get back to that. Jesus has to be the center of everything we do and say. There's no way we can say that we are the church of Jesus Christ and we never have a message of praise. We, 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 we never go to the Bible to see what did Jesus say about this. He is the head of the church. Okay. So let's talk about some of our roles and responsibilities of the church. What should we do? First of all, I believe the church should be more compassionate. Church should be more compassionate. We can show that we care. This world is a cold heart. I mean, people are so cold and we're getting colder. Let's just look at our own life. Uh, years ago, not too very long ago, even on TV, uh, they would have things like rated R, uh, you know, wherein, you know, if you were a certain age, they would tell you, you know, don't let your children watch it. Or they would say something like, disturbing views, get ready to come. Nowadays, they just slap stuff up there with no warning at all, you know, have your own gross out. But we have become used to things like that. And what that does is deaden our compassion. All right? So it don't bother us when we see people who are really hungry. It doesn't bother us to see folk who are really homeless. It doesn't bother us to see people who we know that are in abusive situations. It really don't bother us anymore. And I believe the church needs to be more compassionate. Jesus was compassionate when he walked this earth. Matter of fact, many times before he actually did a miracle, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. And it was through that compassion that the miracle was birthed through compassion. Yes, he was anointed. Absolutely. But it was the compassion that moved him. All right? Another view we see the compassion of God is uh, John 11. Uh, compassion of Jesus, John 11, at the, at the grave of Lazarus. The Bible says Jesus wept. He wept because he was compassionate. He, he was a man full of, of compassion. Church, if we're really going to represent Christ, we need to be a compassionate people. What are the things that move our hearts? We should ask our congregation, what is it that moves your heart? We come to the church and we try to live right, do right, so we can get a blessing. I think we got it wrong. I really think we got it wrong. What is it that moves and touches our heart? What is that thing that we go to, to God in prayer about, what can I do to help alleviate this burden? What can I do to help me of this? Because my heart is so heavy. I'm, I'm burdened with this. What would happen if most of our church meetings was out of we're meeting because we're trying to find out how can we help you. Not meeting so I can get something off my chest what I want to tell you about yourself. All right? But compassion. Wow. Imagine what our, our congregations would be like if we had more compassion. People would be, wouldn't be. Now I, know, I know people come and abuse the church and misuse and all that. But people won't be afraid to approach us if they knew our hearts towards us. But most times, 
It's our demeanor. You know, it's in our mess. We don't want nobody like that over here. <sighs> Seriously? Seriously. All right. So I believe the church can be, should be, compassionate. We need to be empathetic to people's suffering. Just because you're not suffering in that way doesn't mean you can't be touched. Matter of fact, the, uh, the Bible said in the Hebrews of Jesus that we have not a high priest who cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmity. But he was tempted in all points as well as we. So Jesus knows what we're going through. Right? And if we're going to be like Jesus, we need to be empathetic to what other people are going through. No matter what the situation, even sometimes, even if they if they caused it, we still can be empathetic to them because all of us ain't been saved all our life. We've been we've done some foolish things too. Sometimes we need to go to the people and say, "I understand what yet I did it too. Let me tell you how to get back on track." All right, I can stay there, but let me go. One more other thing about uh, this is came on mind Matthew chapter nine, the last two verses. About that Jesus seeing the multitude was moved with compassion, or it was scattered as sheep without a shepherd. He looked at them and had compassion because they were scattered, they was lost, they was wandering, they were uh, scatterbrained, unorganized, no structure in their life, and he was moved with compassion. Wow. And notice the next two verses. Surely the harvest is ripe, Jesus said, but the laborers sin. That's the last verse in chapter 9. Chapter 1 of uh, uh, verse 1 of chapter 10 is when Jesus called his disciples and commissioned them to go out two by two. It's in response to his compassion, that he gave his disciples an anointing and an assignment to go minister to the people. Don't get in the business of ministry if you don't care for people. You're in the wrong place if you don't. Matter of fact, don't even be a, uh, what you call them, a customer service agent if you can't deal with people. You're in the wrong business, especially in the business of ministry, and I heard people say this, I don't, I don't like people, I don't like them people, they get on my nerves. Honestly, but you're supposed to be a minister, a deacon, an elder, pastor, or whoever, and, and, and uh, you can't stand people. You're in the wrong place. You need to ask God to save you. Seriously, it's so important you just resign because, they, you know, it's just in need. Compassion. Let me move on. Compassion. Not only should we have compassion for others, outside of our congregation or whatever, we need to show love and respect to other believers. That's a big one. Jesus said in John 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. But then he says, by this we'll all know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. How? Jesus gives us a major marketing strategy. Those of us who are so interested in growing churches, he gives us a, a, a powerful marketing strategy. He says if you show that you care for the folks 
that you connected to. If you show that you love and you share that love to the people you connected to, all men will know that you are mighty. That is so powerful. So let's think about the people that we think are Christians and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Do we love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Just be honest. Tell the truth. Because we surely don't sound like it. Listen to our conversation. Uh, we don't like them. They don't like us. We don't trust them. We don't like how they look at us. We don't like what they wear. Cave us. And all this kind of stuff, you know, it's not showing love. And then we wonder why the world don't want to be us. Look at how we treat each other. Sometimes there's more loyalty and gains than there is among us. And I'm just saying, I'm not bashing. I'm just saying that's the way it is, but it shouldn't have to be. And not only that, I'm really becoming of the, of the persuasion that whenever we notice, and that's our only experience, that's not the church. That's a pseudo, that's a false something, something other, but it's not the real thing. Jesus said, all men would know that you're my followers, that you're my disciples, by how you treat one of them. That is so powerful. Notice when Jesus was uh, resurrected from the dead after Peter had denied him. Remember that? After he was resurrected, he met him in Galilee. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes. In other words, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He's my sheep. In other words, Jesus is saying, I know how you love me, but how you treat me. Oh. Uh, I don't care how wonderful we sing that song. Lord, I love you more than anything. Go to cry. I love Jesus. You know, how, and you play it so pretty. How was your sign up? It doesn't matter how you sound, how you cry, and you say that. I know praise and worship leaders that were saying that, cry, and all that. As soon as they get off the stage, they leave. They don't want to be bothered by the people. They don't talk to the people. They don't shake their hands. So what you just sung was a lie. Jesus said, if you love me, treat my people right. If you love me, Jesus. Well, I could stay there. That's kind of stirred me up right there. Let me, let me move on. But it's true. It is the truth. It is the truth. We, and sometimes even as ministers, we see a crowd, but we don't see people. We don't see individuals. We see numbers, but we don't see people. These people with issues, struggles, situations going on in their life. Let's not be that way. Let's always be approachable to the people. All right. So we have to be compassionate. And we have to show love to others and among one another. Okay, what else it means to be the church, and what else can the church we can we can we can display the fruit of the spirit. We can display the fruit of the spirit. Don't if we are the church, we should display the fruit of the spirit. Galatians five twenty two, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy. We should always have sad stories. And our culture is one now that we don't even like folks who smile too much. (laughs) Excuse me. 
They smile. Yeah. They can't get up on me. Oh, that's smiling all the time. That's how morbid our culture has become. We don't even like to see folks smile, laugh, have fun, and we got to be in church. And I believe the church is a sacred holy. You know, we can come to the, the house of God, of course. Give me a sacred holy place. But that doesn't mean you can rejoice and display joy. I mean, everybody just looks so serious and mad and, and constipated and slightly in pain. Why smile in the house of God? Be glad. This is what the psalm says. Serve the Lord. Not with seriousness. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Wow. You know, there was, I, don't, I, don't, I hadn't gotten to an argument recently, but this is a while ago. This is several, several years ago. Uh, <laughs> there was this move that kind of, I think, uh, kind of, I, I, for lack of a better term, I want to say popularized with um, Lateranian people, word of faith, uh, what they call laughing spirit. And boy, they came at me about that one time, you know, about, you know asking questions about laughing you know, Like, you know, how do we cry in the spirit, so why, why can't somebody display joy? I just don't believe that. All that care. The Bible says the fruit of the spirit is joy. See, while he was in prison, the Apostle Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord. He didn't say cry in the Lord always. He didn't say mourn. He said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. But our lifestyle, and we're so burdened down that we just can't believe that we can have the joy of the Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, you need to do yourself a favor and get a good dose of the joy of the Lord. It'll help you live longer. Yes, it'll help you live longer, sleep better, and all that, too. We live under too much stress. Amen. That was good. I could say that, too. Uh, but, yes, okay, fruit of spirit, love, joy. Peace, patience, meekness, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness. Okay. Kind of connect the kindness. Gentleness. Just because we save and anointed and called of God and hit up, hit up. We like things to be done excellent. That don't mean we got to be mean. We don't do things with it. Spirit excellent, spirit excellent. And you have cussed the choir out. Make this people that woke up on the knees cry all the time because you're so mean. But you talk about you trying to do something to fear the exit because this in the name of God. He's a liar. You're a liar. Through the Spirit, say you should be gentle. This is good, church. This is good. Gentle. Ushers, you need to be gentle. Almost push folks. You know, don't try to come in at the wrong time. Us is almost elbow you in your stomach. <coughs> Why y'all laughing at me up here? Gentle, be gentle, be gentle, and you can be holy those feel. And yes, there's a boldness that can come, but there's also gentleness. The fruit of the spirit is gentle. Sometimes in preaching, I think you preach too much. Oh, I hurt myself right there, y'all. Gentle, gentle. Through the Spirit, 
gentle. Let me move on. That, that hurt right there, Lord. That's um, And then temperance, self-control. You mean something you say you got the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit. And you have no self-control. You can't control your temper. You can't control your appetite. When you go to, the, to a buffet and you eat a solid two hours, um, a solid, you said they a solid two hours eating. I'm sorry, I'm kind of laughing, but this this is real though. <laughs> no self control, no self control. It is not healthy to eat a whole gallon of ice cream in one sitting. That's not healthy. It is not healthy. You mean telling me you drink a whole two liter two liter Pepsi before lunchtime? That's not temperance. Self control. Self-control, y'all. Y'all have to Self-control. No, no control. And I'm talking like that because most things, you know, we, we say we don't smoke, drink, and that causes self-control too. But we're still killing ourselves and doing things because we don't exercise temperance, which is the fruit of the Spirit. But we can say we got the Holy Ghost, so ain't nothing in you telling you, wait a minute, that's enough. Hold on, I hear you there. Those can be sick as a dog, but we don't eat no good dog. Okay. Even sometimes sick, I've seen folks say they're sick on the stomach. It's still got to put some in their mouth. All right. Temperance, self-control. No, self-control. Jesus. All right. Just go too far in everything. Just go, there's no moderation. There's no, no guidelines. Just go too far in everything. Even in wedding dress. Just go too far. Why you got to wait a feather big as the ceiling, high as the ceiling on your head? That's just too far. Self-control. All right, let me get off that. Uh, so the church, can, we can exemplify the fruit of the Spirit. And sometimes, and yes, uh, matter of fact, since we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, uh, also uh, we should exemplify the, 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 the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? But the two go hand in hand, if I believe. Nine fruit of the spirit, nine gifts of the spirit. They go hand in hand. Um, uh, there's no way you're going, going to uh, exalt one above the other. All right, but they are, we should also display the fruit of the spirit. Okay, uh, the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy. You know, at some point in our life, in Christian experience, we should we should exemplify and experience some of these: the gift of faith, the gift of healing. Working of miracles, discerning of spirits, uh, diverse kind of tongues and interpreta- interpretation of tongues. At some point, we should display or experience these gifts if we're going to say that we're, we're spirit-filled believers, the church of Jesus Christ. Okay? How can these things be in the Bible, yet you do have some people in, in some reformations who actually preach against the gifts of the spirit? Okay? It's this term called cessationism. In other words, it's the, the gifts have ended. There's no more need for the gifts of the Spirit. I don't believe so. I don't believe so. And I believe these gifts should flow freely in and among God's people. But there's order in that now. 
be hasty to say that it's ordered that, but I do believe that if we're going to be the church of Jesus Christ, we should display and experience the various gifts of the Spirit. All right? And again, I believe the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit go hand in hand. We should be a church that was running wrong with the Philippian church. They were gifted. Those were some gifted people. Paul said, y'all come together and all y'all prophesy. Everybody got a word of healing. Everybody got a testimony. I mean, y'all. But there was no order. There was no order. Okay, and obviously there was no real love for people because he started getting getting on them about how you got people that's less fortunate. You don't eat up all the food and we'll offer them any. He talks about that too. Okay, before he gets into communion piece. Um but 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 listen, um uh, uh the gifts and the fruit of the spirit go hand in hand. And if we're gonna be the people of God, the church of Jesus Christ, we should display the fruit of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. Okay. May not be every time. Okay, because every moment don't call for everything, and that's why we need to be led by the Spirit. All right, I'm gonna say this, not gonna sound right, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Y'all can correct me and rebuke me correctly. Um, you can't force the gifts to work, and a lot of times I've been in settings where it seems like people are trying to force things, and that's why some folks stay in church way too okay. Um, I, I have no problem staying in church long, or, or longer. And I, I don't. I mean, I've done that a good bit. Okay. But what I am saying, uh, part of the reason why, because we, we want to we wanna have a full experience. We want to see the glory of God. I mean, we want to see the cloud. We want to see angels. We want to see the seraphims. And after all that, we want to we wanna get the whole counsel of God preached in one set. Genesis to Revelation. We want all the revelation. You know, and then we want all the gifts of the Spirit to work on everybody. We want everybody to get healed, everybody to get delivered, everybody to get the Holy Ghost, whatever they're speaking in tongues, and everything. You're not going to get all of that experience in one setting all the time. You're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. Okay? That goes back to self-control also, discipline and self-control. And it also goes back to what Paul said, that everything be done decently and in order. Okay? Because sometimes the Holy Ghost will guide you directly to a particular thing that he wants to do. Not all of them, just one in particular. All right. All right, let's get off that. Um, so we talked about if we're going to be the church, that we should be more compassionate, more loving. We should display the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Also, we should be salt in the earth. Jesus said we are the salt of the earth. We are the people that should be effective in this earth. We are the people that, just like salt changes the taste of food, uh, uh, the, the people of God, the Church of Jesus Christ, are people that change the climate and the culture of this world. That's our job. That's our assignment. That if we really are the people of God, the places we live should be there. I get convicted of this every time I say it, you know. If we're the people of God and we live on the street, we're the only Christian on the on the street. Our yard should look a little better than everybody else. But here we are, the Christians. Got old tires stacked up here. You know, grass high as our thighs, you know, trying to wade to the top. That's not a good testimony if you saying that we are God, okay? As salt, we change the culture. As salt, we, we make the world better. Okay? 
to salt us. Jesus also said that we are the light of the world. We are the example. We are the standard, okay, of the world. Now, this is kind of, this, this is a good one, being light of the world, because light attracts. Light gives illumination. When you, when you have light, you can see and understand where you are. We should be the people that cause people to understand how the world works, what's really going on. It's like this. It was Bill Ogin, I want to say it was Billy Graham. It's a long time ago. Yes, it was Billy Graham. Gave an illustration that light, you really can't see light. But without light, you can see anything. So it is the, if we are the light of the world, it is through us and our light that people begin to understand how things work. That really shouldn't be, okay? There is an argument, and they're losing, by the way. I heard something today. They're losing the argument every day on this evolution thing. They are losing so bad. They just won't, they won't um, concede. They are losing. Um, but, but, but the thing is, thing is with, with us, and if we are praising God and living the life that we're supposed to, we are actually causing people to understand even how the world works, okay? We give the world understanding, a method to understand. Matter of fact, I'm just throwing this out there for our, for our school kids, college kids. You know the scientific method, the name that Louis B., the person really came up with that in the steps, was a Christian. The method that they tried to use to discredit the Bible came, was coined by a Christian. All right, that was just, that was free. So we are the salt, we are light. The other thing, last thing, uh, we're going to talk about tonight as a church, is what is our faith routine? What is that thing that we do consistently that testifies that we believe in Jesus Christ, that we are people of Jesus Christ? What is it that people can readily look at our life and determine quickly they are followers of Jesus Christ? What is that? I said it before, to an Orthodox Muslim or um, uh, Orthodox Jew or whatever, Hindu, a little dot on their forehead, you know exactly who they are without them telling you. What is it about our lifestyle that readily tells the people we are followers of Christ? That's something that's, that's been bothering me for some years. Um, and I've, I've thought about some things. And I'm going to do something. Um, it's just me now. I'm not trying to, you know, do something. But there should be something in our life. You know, if, it's, if we're going to, quote, unquote, choose Sunday as, as our or Saturday, depending on um, how you do, people should know, okay, well, we don't bother them on that day because that's their worship. But no, we let folk go out of town, come out of town. I just came in. They would say, well, I can't go to church because my grandma's cousin on my daddy's side dropped me, and I got to go pick them up. We just let anything. I got to keep my neighbor's dog. Throw us off of our faith routine. Okay? And that's one of the things I have to say I admire about some of those people that are serious about their faith, even though it's a false faith, like Muslims or whatever, they don't care how we pick at them or whatever. They're going to wear their attire. 
what he believes is a part of separation. Whereas as Christians, again, we are so free in grace that we have no distinction of what we believe. We are under grace, we can eat anything we want, do anything we want, live any kind of lifestyle, and say, Jesus is going to accept me as I am. All righty. So I guess Jesus accepts you as you are, and the world don't know who we are. All right. So I'm saying there needs to be some sort of things we change. And I, I would challenge, you know, like I said, there's some things that I've thought about and I would love to do personally on a personal level. Um, that would dictate. And it's me changing my dress code. Um, and I'm not a flamboyant dresser by any means. I mean, I'm one of the most conservative people, you know, even the shirt I got on the night kind of questionable, brother. <laughs> yeah, I'm deviating from the face now. Uh, but there needs to be something in our life. There needs to be something in our life that, that, that really dictates they are a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay. Remember when uh, Jesus was arrested, the night he was arrested before he was crucified. Peter followed him afar off, and there were some people, a, a, a lady that recognized him. You're one of his followers. I know it because your speech betrays you. You, you, The way you talk suggests that you've been with Jesus. What is it about our life that tells people that we are followers of Jesus Christ? All right, that's that's, uh, all we're going to share for tonight. Um, What kind of church is this? And what kind of church is this? not talking about the church you go to years ago, it could apply. But who are we as the body of Jesus Christ? What are our distinctions? What is our role? What is our responsibility? What can we do to make the world pay attention to us? Okay, once again, we can be more compassionate, be loving, be the salt of the earth, be the light of the world, display the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. When we do that, the world has to take notice of us. Notice when, the, when the, uh, the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost or came on the day of Pentecost. Yes, they were speaking in tongues, but they, they, they speak in languages uh, that were understood. And the people took note of what was happening. Now, we have churches speaking in tongues loud, I mean loud, in microphones. But the world don't know what's happening. Amen. I think we need to get back in, uh, into the point that when we gather together, that the world know that we are together. All right. Uh, that's all for tonight. Let me quickly again uh, make these announcements I made at the beginning. Um, tomorrow through Saturday, <clears throat> leadership conference at Doeful Christian Church, uh, 401 Martin Luther King Boulevard. Um, Tomorrow night, Dr. Frank Reed III from Baltimore, Maryland, would be the speaker, powerful, powerful man of God. And uh, Thursday night, Bishop Michael Bloom will speak. Uh, definitely going to be there. Friday, Bishop Tudor Bismarck from the continent of Africa. I want to be Zimbabwe, um, that he, he's from Africa, but he would be the speaker. There's also some seminars will be going on Thursday morning, I know. I believe Friday morning, but definitely I know Thursday morning for pastors, pastors only, 
Uh, and I know one of the things that we talked about is in light of the new guideline, well, the guideline, the judgment on the same-sex marriage thing that the Supreme Court justice justices ruled in the summer, in June. Um, what should be the church's response, and how can we protect ourselves, or what do we need to change in adding things to our bylaws and constitution that can protect us from, you know, fines, jail, and that type of stuff? So that's important. That's what's going on. I believe Thursday morning for pastors, and um, Saturday every sessions also. So it's always a wonderful, um, spirited, spiritual um, conference. Very excited about going there tomorrow, Wednesday through Saturday. In Marion, South Carolina, Bishop Michael Blue, Pastor Moody, the pastor there. Also, October 11th, Sunday evening at 5 o'clock, will be our pastoral commitment service. Um, myself, um, Antonio Black, and my wife, that, you know, for uh, Truth Soul Ministries, will be uh, commitment service there. So, if you're in reasonable driving distance on Sunday evening, we encourage you to come, invite you to come, come and celebrate with us, and uh, as the Lord, moves us forward into this new assignment or growing assignment um, for the advancement of the kingdom of God. All right, that's our time together for tonight. Thank you all who are here. For those who have joined us by um, the conference call, um, you know, it's kind of rainy here, and, you know, sometimes we have people that want to stay out in the rain. And so if you joined us for that reason, thank you for joining us. We hope you got something out of our lesson tonight from the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Love you. God bless you. We'll see you again. Bless you. Good night. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.